Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today it's me again and I'm going to be talking about a therapy journey through eating disorder recovery and exploring nine different areas that I will work on when I am supporting a client. So let's get to it. So how do you treat eating disorders? Eating disorders are complex mental health conditions and sadly there is no wonder cure that can fix them. And as the proverb says, there are many ways to skin a cat. I don't really like that proverb, but I think it still kind of communicates the message quite clearly. It's absolutely true in eating disorder treatment that there is no one way to treat these illnesses. And I fully stand by this because I think what works effectively for one person may be very different for another. And it's also worth saying that therapy and psychological input are one tool for treatment. People will often need dietetic and possibly psychiatric input alongside, and other people will find different ways of healing to be equally as effective. So that may be through arts or music or yoga or something else. So I think it's really important to go back to the thought that you are the expert on you. Obviously, you will need probably support in your recovery. You will need some sort of help from outside. And that might hopefully be in quite a holistic way. But I think it's really helpful to try as you can to tune in a bit to your intuition and really recognize what kind of approaches work well for you and which ones don't, because there is not one size fits all. And with therapy, there are different approaches and ways of working. So some therapy will work more on the past. Some therapy will focus more on practical tools for change. And some therapies will combine a mixture of the two. So, for example, some therapies as well have been created specifically to treat a certain kind of eating disorder. So Mantra, the specific therapy created for treating anorexia nervosa by the Maudsley Hospital, brings together many different tools and strategies and insights which specifically help people struggling with anorexia. And then there's CBTE by Fairburn's team in Oxford, which focuses on treating all the different eating disorders. But it's definitely, I think, often used more by professionals for bulimia or binge eating disorder with that strong cognitive behavior therapy element. So I'm going to talk to you about some of the ways that I work with my clients. And I describe myself as an integrative counselor. So this means that I'm not wedded to any one approach rather using different therapies, which I found to be particularly helpful for treating eating disorders. I'm also not rigid in what I do and believe in tailoring the therapy to suit my individual clients. I firmly believe as well in the therapeutic relationship being the cornerstone for healing, because if you don't have a strong therapeutic relationship with your client, it's almost impossible to get off kind of base one, really. So it's really important as well, I believe, to be flexible and tailoring work to suit a client's personal journey. 
So some of my clients really enjoy, enjoy maybe is the wrong word, but really engage well with much more talking therapy and reflection and insight and really kind of self-directing the therapy much more themselves with less support for me, whereas other people really prefer having more kind of active tools and me being more directive. And I really believe that, you know, people are individuals and I need to be flexible in my approach to kind of try and give them what they need. And obviously as well, I'm not the right therapist for everyone. So this is just to give you an insight. This is not the holy grail of treating eating disorders. So having said all this, I hope you can see that what I'm going to talk about is an insight into my way of working. So my approach will suit some, not others. I fully believe, again, that you are the expert on you. And although a therapist may guide and support you, your inner wisdom will also help you identify the type of approach that works for you best. So I'm going to talk about nine different areas that I will focus on in therapy. Now, it doesn't mean that it's limited to this. I might go outside of the different areas that I'm talking about, but this will just give you a bit of a flavor and insight. So number one, working on motivation for change. So when people come into eating disorder treatment, they're often highly ambivalent, being in two minds about change. So as a therapist, I actually expect this because the eating disorder is a coping strategy. So it's really helpful to work from this as a starting point. So if you're listening to this and you're suffering with an eating disorder, one part of you might desperately want to move on and let go of a destructive relationship with food and your body. You might be ruled by food, you might be over-exercising, feeling miserable, socially isolated and paralyzed by preoccupation with your body. However, another part of you might be very scared of letting go. You might be scared of possible weight gain, you might be scared of giving up binge eating and the escape that it brings. You might be terrified of losing control around food. So when you're in this two minds about change, it can feel quite confusing and you can feel in a really uncomfortable place because as well, your motivation about change might change day by day, hour by hour. So you might kind of wake up in the morning and think, yeah, I really want to make some changes to my eating disorder today. I really want to move beyond it. But then a few hours later, when it comes to actually doing the change, it feels very, very scary. So my job as a therapist is to help you embrace this ambivalence and begin to explore it. So rather than kind of beating yourself up, the feeling that you can't change, it's starting to just like put your cards on the table, really acknowledge the eating disorder as a coping strategy and really just saying some of these things out loud so it can help you develop a different relationship with your eating disorder. So you can begin to almost have that bird's eye view down onto yourself and begin to sort of question it a bit more. So my job will be to help you embrace the ambivalence, explore it. Through this, you can begin to recognize what the eating disorder means to you and how it's helping you cope. So maybe it's a way of numbing from difficult feelings. Maybe it's a way of trying to control your weight. Maybe it's deeply familiar and offers safety and reassurance. You might even not know what it gives you because sometimes as well, these coping ways of coping can be quite unconscious. So in therapy, you can gain greater understanding about your eating disorder from a psychological perspective. You can take a step back and consider whether this is a coping strategy that you want to keep 
or to think about whether there could be other ways of coping. And of course, thinking about other ways of coping, you might need to really get some support in learning those tools. You can also start to think about the bigger picture of your life and where you want to be going. Motivation for change, when we think about the next meal or tomorrow or short term, it can be very hard to hold on to. However, when we start to think about two years or five years from now, looking at goals, deeper values and what's really important, this can help you take a step back and to begin to consider change. So number one, all about motivation. If you're listening to this, if feeling ambivalent in two minds about change, that's very normal, okay? To be expected, part of the process of healing is beginning to work on your motivation and ambivalence. Number two, starting to understand why you developed an eating disorder in the first place. Now, of course, there's not a simple cause and effect to develop an eating disorder. There was, eating disorders would be straightforward to treat. However, they're complex and they're often a combination of different contributing factors, including your genetics. People with eating disorders are often highly sensitive, possibly more anxious and prone to perfectionism. Again, I'm generalizing, that's not true for everybody. Family life, people's relationships to food and body image at home, different events and life experiences, things like bullying, family stresses, bereavements, difficulties at school, all these things can contribute. It's not one thing. And underneath an eating disorder is often low self-esteem and not feeling good enough. The ED has become a way to cope with this and to try and temporarily boost self-worth through changing your body. And it's not surprising that this can feel such a seductive choice, as in our diet culture world, people are generally praised for weight loss and changing their appearance. So therapy can help you explore the underlying psychology and develop understanding. You'll be piecing together the parts of the jigsaw puzzle to gain some clarity. You can understand the roots of your eating disorder, a possible trigger event which set it off, and then the perpetuating factors that keep you going and stuck in a destructive cycle with food. Now, of course, having this awareness doesn't necessarily guarantee change, but having some insight and making sense of things can be a powerful springboard for preparing for change. Because rather than feeling completely lost in the jungle of food and body image preoccupation, not understanding what or why things are happening, you can begin to have a bit of clarity, begin to have a bit of an insight and awareness. And that can really be a first step towards change. So that was number two, starting to really understand why you developed an eating disorder, looking at that deeper psychology. Number three, getting clear on your values and diluting the link between self-worth and weight. So we've talked about already that often if you have an eating disorder, you have quite low self-worth often, and you, the way you value yourself might have become so linked to your weight, your shape, how you look. And this is not to say at all that eating disorders are about vanity or about appearance. They're much more than that. But often, even if you don't like your appearance, you can still be very wedded to a number on the scale or sort of, you know, how you control your food being a way that you define your worth. So when you have an eating disorder, your weight and body shape have often become defining factors in shaping your worth. And again, compassion to everyone with this. 
We live in a culture that reinforces this belief 24-7 and diets are constantly promoted and actively encouraged. So it can feel like the whole world is on a mission to be smaller or leaner. But for most of us, when we're 90 years old and looking back on life, the number on the scales and the ab definition is going to count for little in the bigger spectrum. Relationships, having purpose and meaning, traveling when we can, when the COVID is finally over. Creativity, enjoying life experiences, these are much more likely to feature as important. However, when you have an eating disorder, you've often lost perspective. It's almost like you're in a kind of tunnel of preoccupation around food and body image. And Professor Fairburn talks about wearing your eating disorder sunglasses, where you're viewing the world through a distorted lens and valuing yourself and others based on an unhealthy emphasis on weight and shape. And when you do this, it's almost impossible to win because the goalposts always move. There's always someone else to compare yourself to. The number on the scales has always got to be lower. And it can feel like a relentless journey and very hard to feel good enough. And the more you get caught in that kind of dieting cycle, the more your thinking becomes rigid, the more obsessed you can feel. And it's just this horrible slippery slope. So in therapy, you can start to take a step back and dilute this connection between controlling your body and worth. You can consider your values. You can think about your hopes and dreams for the future and get back in your own lane of what is meaningful personally to you rather than being this being dictated by all the noise in our culture. And all that noise as well, it doesn't always have to just be around weight and worth and body image and food. It can be as well about the, the things that you feel are expected of you, all the shoulds. You may have just really lost track of what's really important to you, what's meaningful to you, what really makes you happy. So it's helping you embrace that larger picture. So number four, developing a healthier relationship with food. So if you have an eating disorder, you might be restricting, heavily dieting, missing meals, going for long periods without eating, binge eating, chewing and spitting, purging, all manner of disordered eating symptoms. And when you're living with these disordered eating habits day by day, physically, you're probably not going to be feeling good. Like when you're physically hungry, when you're tired, when you're experiencing blood sugar imbalances, when you're feeling exhausted and finding it hard to concentrate due to the preoccupation with food, then it's really, really hard to work on the psychology and the emotional side of the problem. So in therapy, you can be supported to start to eat more regularly, to eat a range of foods from all the food groups and to balance your blood sugar. This then gives you a much more stable platform to work on, to work from even in managing other aspects of the eating disorder. Now, of course, I'm saying all this and it sounds simple, but it's hard. You might feel really scared of introducing more food into day-to-day life. And this might have to be done really gradually with support. And alongside this, you'll need help in managing disordered eating behaviors. So this might be beginning to work on reducing symptoms, such as the frequency of binge eating or purging. It might be slowly reducing over-exercise and incremental steps. In therapy, you can be supported to manage these changes with tools. So you can actually deal with the difficult emotions that may arise, particularly perhaps a lot of anxiety when you are not able to engage in those old coping behaviors. 
and this takes time because of we have to kind of deal with food every day it's not like if you are stopping smoking or maybe you are giving up drinking alcohol where you can just cut those things out of your life and I'm not saying that's easy but I guess with alcohol or smoking we can live without those things whereas with food we've kind of got to learn to regulate it and be in contact with it probably several times a day so it's really normal in working on disordered eating behaviors that it's a bit of a messy and imperfect process as you start to change these and sometimes it can feel like one step forward two steps back you can't just suddenly maybe just stop binging overnight or stop purging overnight and never do it again. I mean, some people do, but it is more rare that that happens. So I don't want to say that's not possible, but I think I just want to say to people that if you're listening, it's really important to have realistic expectations that the recovery road is messy and imperfect, but it's absolutely possible to change these disordered eating behaviors and to come out the other side. Number five, becoming more food neutral. So when you have an eating disorder, foods will often be labeled as good or bad, clean or unclean, healthy or unhealthy, and your judgment around eating will be extreme. And although this feels a way of exerting some control around food, in reality, it often exacerbates binging or overeating behaviors and also makes you terrified of food. Because eating has then become this kind of moral issue laden with judgment and rules, which makes having a healthy relationship with food pretty tricky. So in therapy, you can be gradually supported towards developing a more food neutral approach with less fear and seduction also associated with food. Because I think when you have an eating disorder, you're either almost like terrified of it or you're just completely obsessed and thinking about it and dreaming (laughs) hoping, thinking about all the things that you would like to eat, whether you're eating them or not. So actually beginning to develop a more food neutral mindset brings you towards a much more peaceful place. And I think as well, people often say, well, if I do this, aren't I just going to be just really unhealthy and just eat junk all day? And actually in the short term, you're going to gravitate to all those foods that you perhaps have not allowed yourself. Actually, over time, as you start to listen much more to your body, you're going to be able to make those kind of helpful choices for your body where you're guided much more by your intuition and what your body is actually really wanting and needing. So that will probably include eating a range of foods from all the food groups. You're getting that good nutrition in but also as well so you're not feeling deprived and that you have a lot of pleasure from your food. So it's finding that sweet spot and that takes time. Number six, really important one. Therapy can help you manage difficult emotions. So eating disorder behaviors are often a way of unconsciously dealing with difficult emotions. Through binging or restricting, you might feel temporary distraction or relief from your feelings. It's such a vital part of recovery and in therapy is offering you a safe place to explore these feelings without judgment and for mental well-being it is important to be able to deal with these emotions effectively and to learn better coping strategies for when we feel distressed or anxious or disappointed or angry or whatever you know emotions are part of life now it's very common if you have an eating disorder you might feel completely out of touch with your emotions and it can take time to begin to feel your feelings in your body, to name your feelings 
and then to process them in a healthy way. Because you may have been completely cut off from this whole part of yourself for a long time, and it can be a steep learning curve. And although it can feel safer to cut off from emotions, you can't just numb from some of your emotions. So you might get some relief from numbing from sadness or anger or disappointment or rage. It also means that you're cut off from emotions like joy, happiness, contentment, surprise, excitement and feeling peaceful. So getting in touch with your feelings again is a vital part of healing. And again, this is a messy and imperfect process and takes time, but it's absolutely worth it to feel more whole and to embrace all parts of yourself. If you're not in touch with your feelings, you're almost not in touch with this really vital internal barometer that can guide you and give you information about, you know, how you're feeling about certain things happening to you in the world. Our feelings, we don't have to be ruled by them, but they are really an essential part of being human. Number six, therapy can help you develop a different relationship with your thoughts. So with your mind channeling 60,000 thoughts plus a day, how do they work that out? And many of these thoughts being repetitive, you can understand the power of your thinking. Now, when you have an eating disorder, your thoughts will be dominated by food, weight and shape concerns. And you might also experience anxiety around these issues and your thoughts might feel wildly out of control. So in therapy, you can be supported to develop a different relationship with your thoughts. Firstly, to develop awareness of them and then to be more accepting of these as just thoughts, to realize that thoughts are not facts. And you can also be taught to challenge unhelpful thoughts with more rational alternatives and or to just accept thoughts and thoughts, you know, just recognizing in a way thoughts are just thoughts. So we can start to take a step back and to engage less with them. You are not your thoughts. So often people with eating disorders as well have a very strong inner critic. So with our thoughts, we can learn to be more compassionate and kinder. And not just about food choices or body image, but around everything that we do. Because if you've got this horrible critical, judgmental, internal voice going at you all day is exhausting and it just completely erodes self-esteem. So developing a healthier relationship with your thoughts can be a vital part of recovery. Number seven, developing self-compassion and a kinder, healthier body image. So your body image is likely to be negative if you have an eating disorder. You might strongly dislike your body and feel very uncomfortable with it. Therapy can help to improve your body image. So you can actively learn to develop a kinder relationship towards your body to achieving some level of self-acceptance. You can learn to appreciate and value your body for its strength and mobility rather than judging it harshly based on aesthetics. And you can work towards being more body neutral. You can work to reduce habits that might be destroying your body image, such as compulsive weighing, unhelpful use of social media, or constant comparisons with others. And many people in eating disorder recovery find that the body image part often lags behind some other aspects of recovery. And I think that's because we live in this toxic world where there is so much pressure to be smaller, leaner, so much focus on body shape, so much weight stigma, so much fat phobia. However, potentially, if you have an eating disorder and you recover from an eating disorder, you can have a better body image than the average person in the population 
because you've really done the work and you've really stepped back, questioned diet culture and begun to look at things in a different way. And actually, that just brings so much more possibility for having a better self-esteem because of it's so hard to win with placing so much worth on body image as a way to feel good. So number eight, leading on to, you will discover new ways to boost self-esteem and self-worth in therapy. Because as I said, if you have an eating disorder, the self-worth will likely be predominantly based on your body shape or weight. And when you're doing well, you'll feel good or a bit better about your body. But when you're feeling out of control with food, you may feel guilty, anxious and ashamed. But you can be supported in therapy to value yourself for more than your body size. And this may be really hard at first, as you're possibly your own worst critic. And you may have relied on manipulation of your weight as a way of boosting self-esteem. So beginning to value yourself for many other attributes that you'll have and to be kinder in your self-evaluation allows self-esteem to be slowly rebuilt. You can also understand the roots of your low self-worth and to re-evaluate old messages and stories that you're holding on to. We all often base our self-worth on outdated opinions and early experiences, which truly no longer serve us. So until you develop the awareness to understand the roots of your self-esteem and begin to question them and begin to treat yourself differently as someone who is worthy of love and respect, then things can start to shift. Because with good self-esteem, holding on to disordered eating or overly critical body goals is just not compatible with it. You'll begin to feel more deserving and wanting to give yourself and your body good things. Now, this takes time because as well, you might ident- your identity may have become entangled in the eating disorder, but it can change. Okay, It's often a gradual dilution rather than an overnight transformation. But it's worth remembering that living with an eating disorder will never allow you to fulfill your full potential and to be your fully flourishing self. Recovery is much more than about food and body image. It's about becoming your vibrant self and being wholly you. And the final part that I work on in therapy, but not limited to these nine areas, is relapse. So as I've said, it's unlikely you'll just wake up one day and say goodbye to the eating disorder once and for all. Change takes time and often you will fall down many times along the recovery road. But relapse is part of the process and provides a valuable opportunity for learning, building resilience and awareness. And you can be helped to manage relapse and also be supported in identifying triggers for this. So a relapse is just a learning experience. Over time, relapses become shorter in duration and you'll recover from them more quickly. So on a final note. I hope this has given you an insight into therapy for eating disorder treatment. Again, just to confirm that no one size fits all. There are many ways to recover from an eating disorder. And this is from my own perspective of the work I do in therapy. But remember, it's possible to change and to recover from an eating disorder. The road will not always be smooth and there will be many inevitable bumps on the journey. However, it is worth taking the courageous step to reach out and have therapy. It's also worth trying other different avenues that you think might really support you. So maybe as well, engaging in self-help and taking a holistic approach, you know, working on other aspects of self-care, self-esteem, self-worth. Letting go of an eating disorder 
can be about finding yourself again and engaging more fully with life. It is worth it. It is absolutely possible. Hold on to hope. Recovery is absolutely possible. Yeah, you can do it. So I hope you found this episode helpful. And if there's anything you particularly want to share with me, do DM me on Instagram or leave a comment in the show notes. I would love to hear your own experience of therapy and what has really helped you. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you would follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.